What you are about to hear is 100 Proof History, a weekly podcast that's half serious history, half drunken buffoonery. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and consider supporting the show by subscribing to our Patreon. For just $3 a month, you get bonus episodes, access to our old episodes, and each week, you get our show two days early. Check out 100proofhistory.com for details and find us on social media at 100proofhistory. Enjoy the show. In the early 1400s, France and England were once again at war. In fact, they'd been fighting for damn near a hundred years, and things were sucking butts for the French. And that is when a young peasant girl showed up and told the heir to the French throne that she had been talking with God, and he had a plan to help to lead the French to glory. In this episode of HPH, we're taking a look at the political wackiness of 15th century France and the barely legal teen that helped turn the tide. Grab a drink. Get ready for some bad French accents, and join us for this episode of Hunter Proof History titled Joan of Arc, Deep Fried Debutante. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts... Chris and Greg. Hello. Chris. It's me. Listener. I have some very unfortunate news. Last night, our esteemed producer, Wolf Dick. Passed away. Sorry, I'm I'm grieving. Let's all just pour out a big box of animal crackers for Wolf Dick. I was uh, feeding him his dinner. A box of animal crackers, of course. And there was a ring at the doorbell. Of course, it was the male stripper gram that I had ordered myself. Needless to say, I forgot about him for just hours and hours. When I came back, he had choked on assorted animal shapes. It hurts. It hurts so bad. But I think with time We'll get past it, you know And we'll Think about the good times Celebrate The memory Of Wolf Dick Anyway Yeah, so what are you having a drink today? Oh boy. Yeah, I guess it's tragic, I guess. Um the tragic thing is I don't know what to do with the body. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. You know what I would like and I think Wolf Dick would really like this if we could just somehow use the funds that he had in his inheritance just a little bit of it. I'm going to keep the rest, but 
little bit of it, we transport him to San Francisco to that cool, windy little hill that's always in the movies. And we just push his gurney down it and just see what happens. Just see what... <laughs> just watch him tumble. <laughs> Pour out one last packet of animal crackers for him. Yeah. Hopefully he flops over and dies in front of the full house. I mean, dead already, but it looks like he died in front of the full house house. Mm-hmm. And we can just pin it all on that pervert Danny Tanner. As they're filming Fullest House. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've already done Full House and Fuller House. It has to be Fullest House. Or Fullerer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> S- Scream and Friday the 13th, they were doing shit for years. Yeah. We can, we can milk Full House some more. We sure can. I'm sure Jody Sweeten still needs some money to, have, you know, to buy some I'd meth. like to milk her. <laughs> <laughs> for money. Oh, it's not creepy people and paying her. Yeah. It's transactional in nature. <laughs> That's true. Fine. Both sides agree. You know, that absolves all creepiness. <laughs> uh, Christopher. Yeah. Interesting fact. Today, from you and I, mm-hmm. not the listener, today is the anniversary of Jonestown Massacre. Oh, it sure is. Oh, oh yeah. You just knew that, huh? Yeah, I I know it because I typically celebrate that holiday privately in my own home. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, you know how Jim Jones ran the fake suicides like so many times to get the people used to it, so they'd be ready sure. to go. Yeah. yeah, every November eighteenth, I give my wife and daughter a cup of Kool Aid and say, "This is it, end of the world. Here we go. They're coming to get us. They're coming to kill us. You better drink it." Mm-hmm. Just training them. Yeah, they're getting ready. You know. But one day those training wheels are going to come off, huh? Yeah. And then I'll be free. I'll go to Argentina. <laughs> yeah. Argentina, see? With all the other Nazis. I mean, what? No. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, the way I knew is actually the Kool-Aid man bust through my wall this morning. hmm But he just kind of like climbed through the wall. <laughs> like the bricks were barely falling. It wasn't like a, uh, I don't know. It wasn't the power you would expect from him. Right. And he was actually, instead of that, like, big, bulbous pitcher, mm-hmm. he was like a little tiny, I don't know, rocks glass looking thing. Mm-hmm. Like a little skinny margarita glass or something. Uh-huh. Looks like he's been going through some stuff. I don't know. Anyway, that's how I found out. Oh. He was like foaming at the mouth. 100% fact. I'm not lying at all. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you know what? Uh, let's let's talk about some history, Greg. Let's, uh... You know, <laughs> If we must. We're getting into some French history today, Joan of Arc. First time I think we're talking positively about a French figure on this show. And what a figure she had. (laughs) (laughs) And we ruined it. Yep. We ruined everything. We just lost every listener. All six of them that were left after the (laughs) Wolf Dick (laughs) Memorial. Whatever. 30 seconds counts as a play on our stats, people. It still makes us look good. Nothing like going through, you know, the history category and whatever your favorite podcast app is. Mm. <laughs> and playing that shit and being like, what the fuck is this trash? <laughs> we don't know either. Well, today our source is Joan of Arc, A History by Helen Castor. Uh, it's okay book. I enjoyed it. It kind of divides up. The story nicely, kind of like we're going to do today. Kind of give you a little background and tells you Joan's story and then tells you what happened after Joan. So, mm-hmm. that's kind of what we're going to do today. So, Gregory, what are you drinking on this saddest of occasions? 
Uh, today I'm pouring one out for my homie, mm-hmm. but also pouring it in my own mouth. Right. Pouring it out of the glass into my mouth for my homie. That's what he would have wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joseph Magnus Cigar Blend. Oh, look at you. That's a nice yeah. one. It is a, it's a fancy one. Yeah. Uh, but it ties in because uh, one of the casks that it's finished in is Armagnac casks. Ah. And as you know, Armagnacs were one of the four belligerents in the story. Can you name the others? Well, you had, like you said, the Armagnacs. You had the Burgundians. And the mm-hmm. English. That's all I... There's a fourth? I don't... There is a fourth belligerent. It's me after I drink all this shit during this episode. <laughs> hey <laughs> What about you? Today, I am having Lagavulin, nine-year Isla Scotch. The nine-year is the Game of Thrones special edition. And this is kind of a Game of Joan story, if you will. Because, <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, this story, a lot of it is about seeking the crown of France. And all the various parties that are trying to do that. And also, as you well know, this Isla Scotch from Lagavulin is very smoky. There's a lot of smoke oh. involved. Oh, spoilers. Yeah. So... Also, I do believe the Scots were allied with the Armagnacs at one point. They were. I mean, they sucked. To attack the English. They were terrible, but they were there. Oh, well, yeah. as usual. <laughs> All right. I'm so sad now. You didn't even text me to let me know he was dead. This is how I found out, and I'm part of the show. It's all about the pod, baby. Yeah. I mean, it worked. I, it impacted me so greatly that I didn't speak for the first two minutes of the show. I'll try to uh, reanimate his corpse later. Maybe he'll be back next week. I don't know. Good enough. Good enough. I don't care if he's dead. He meant nothing to me. He was fucking my wife. <laughs> Burning I'm down. just more upset that you didn't tell me so we could celebrate together <laughs> off air. Yeah. I would have bought a fancier bottle of booze and acted like I was more sad. <laughs> It would have been an excuse to buy that really expensive shit. Yeah. Instead of awkwardly trying to figure out what to say, like, oh, (laughs) that's bad. Me cry now? I don't... (laughs) (laughs) Mimi brain slow. Mimi like boobies. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's start this fucking story. The story of Joan of Arc takes place during a war between the French and the English, which was really just a series of conflicts that were combined to become what is known as the Hundred Years' War, even though it lasted 116 years. It's kind of like the old uh, Mitch Hedberg joke, like in the middle of it, they're like, oh, it's a Hundred Years' War, even though it keeps going. The Mitch Hedberg joke is, I used to do drugs. I still Mm do, (laughs) but I used to. But I used to, too. The war began in the year Leet. I'm sorry. Sorry, 1337. Shout out to all my 1999-2000 gamer friends. They're all dead now. Counter-Strike! But we're going to jump ahead to 1392 and make a promise to eventually cover the entire war, and we're never going to keep that promise. 100% will not. It's just like my dad still doesn't take me to Disney World. I mean, there was that time when I was seven and he got me really drunk and he dressed up as Mickey Mouse. Mm -hmm. I, I knew the difference. I, I I know. I woke up and there's like a sheet hanging where the kitchen door should have been. And it said Disney World, but it's misspelled. And there he is in his Mickey Mouse head, but he's not wearing pants. I mean, we were both, we were both 
very drunk. We were both very drunk. I thought it was hilarious, but I, I knew it wasn't Disney World. Come on, Dad. He tried, though. In 1392, France was led by King Charles VI. He had taken power in 1380, and in the following nine years, France had actually scored some major victories. The English peeper... Peeper. Hmm. <laughs> English peeper named Tom. Look original. out, ladies. Here he comes. <laughs> He's always hiding behind stuff and leaning out. That's how... No, it, it's not me! <laughs> method of transport is like ducking behind bushes and doing the... <laughs> He gets up and scurries like on the sidewalk, and the bush goes with him. <laughs> yeah. It's a bush he brought from home. Yeah. The bush always stops under ladies' dresses, and you see this little sh- <laughs> sh- shoe pop out with mirrors on it. Yeah. Oh my! <laughs> pip pip cheerio! And he takes off again. Uh. Bush is just a magnet to other bushes, then. <laughs> anyway. The English people were tired of being taxed to death to pay for that war, and so a peace was agreed to in 1389. Yep, everything was looking great for the French, until the aforementioned year of 1392, when King Charles went what medically trained, Harvard-educated psychiatrists refer to as cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. In August of that year, Charlie Part VI had been riding with his troops when he went into a rage and killed five of his own attendants. Ooh. By the time he was subdued, <laughs> he had broken his sword in half and was having a full-blown seizure. Over the following years, Charles VI would be seemingly normal and they would lose his shit out of nowhere. He believed his wife and kids were strangers, his name wasn't Charles, he wasn't king, and that he was made of glass and he was terrified he'd shatter into a thousand pieces. And what you know what actually happened here? They're at a battle, right? It's chaotic as fuck because these are... 1400s battles. It's just like, you don't know what the fuck's happening. They grab the wrong guy. Say, oh, my liege, I'll protect you. And they rush him back. And he's like, no, I'm not the king. It's not me, see? My name's Charles too, but it's, it's not that Charles. They're like, oh, your wife and child are so happy to see you. I don't know these people. I have never seen this woman before in my life. The king had been dead for like 45 minutes at this point. <laughs> yeah. The English are like taking pictures with the corpse, doing that <laughs> the Abu Ghraib, they just threw him on a bunch of dead, naked bodies, like, pointing at it. Hey! Abu Ghraib. Oh. <sighs> Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Charles's brother, Philip, the Duke of Burgundy, and his uncle, the Duke of Berry, Duke of Chuck Berry, took over running the day-to-day of the country. And this is where Greg tries to... Figure out if you can remember any Chuck Berry songs. Go. Why waste your time? You know you're gonna be mine. No, you're gonna be mine. No, you got. Sorry, that was that's just stuck in my head from the stripper Graham last night. <laughs> just hours. That song on a loop while poor Wolf. I, it was a special up, request. <laughs> Wolf ticks up here just gagging on little tiny camels. Don't make me feel guilty, okay? I just. I just would have liked to have been invited. I'm just saying that's I don't care about it. Because me and the stripper were downstairs doing lines of blow smoking camels. Oh. So he wasn't alone, you know. Yeah. That's true. Solidarity. That's true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't do drugs and smoke cigarettes. That's gross. But the uh the male stripper gram. 
All true. <laughs> why waste your time? <laughs> no, you go to be mine. That explains why you're so glittery This today. is the real world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you noticed the glitter. Thank you. Yeah. A stripper actually, uh, I was, I was like, hey, man, I got to go to work tomorrow. You're getting me looking all like, he's, hey, you're going to look like Edward from Twilight. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Uh, Rub your body on me more. <laughs> your wife's just looking at her phone going, when the fuck is this guy going to leave? <laughs> well, dinner was ready not too long after that, so. <laughs> She's cooking up a storm. <laughs> She had like a whole bottle of wine at dinner. I don't know why. What, she didn't even know about Wolf Dick, but she was really sad. She was crying the whole time. I don't understand what her problem was. It's like they could just feel each other's energy, I think. You know, like uh, E.T. and Elliot. Yeah, that's true. Like his pain was causing her pain. That's that's the only thing I can come up with. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Well, the Duke of Burgundy, Philip, died of death in 1404, and his son, John of Burgundy, was super horny to take his dad's spot at the king's right hand. But King Charles VI's other brother, Louis of Orleans, took the job instead. John and Louis did a whole lot of fussing and feuding until 1407, when John hired some guys to bash Louis' head open in the streets of Old Paris. South French say Paris. Great. Oh, okay. Yeah. And how do they say or- Orleans? No, they say Orleans, stupid. Orleans, okay. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you just said to me. <laughs> I don't even know how to spell that. <laughs> well, everyone and their mother knew that John had ordered the hit job, but he was eventually pardoned because he lorded over Burgundy. This province was on the northeastern portion of 15th century France, but part of it drifted into Flemish territory, which was loyal to the King of England. They had money and manpower, and so the Armagnacs, which were the political party that supported King Charles, weren't ready to piss off the Burgundians. Just yet. While everyone was trying to figure out who should run France, King Henry V of England said, Fuck it, I'll do it. Hmm. He claimed that he was the rightful ruler of France. Now, if you weren't confused by this nonsense already, get fucking ready. Here we go. <gasps> Henry's great-great-great-great-grandfather was King Philippe IV, ruler of France. Philippe had three sons and a daughter, Isabella. All of his sons sucked ass when it came to producing male heirs, and only Isabella was able to have a son, Edward II. Now, French rules said that the crown couldn't pass through a female heiress, and so they told Edward II to go fly a kite and gave the crown to Philippe's cousin, Charles of Valois. Edward II became King of England, and his son, Edward III, started this whole Hundred Years' War nonsense when he said that he was the rightful heir to the French crown. And now... In 1415, Edward's great-grandson, Henry V, was making the same claim. Fuck. That was a lot. Very nice. Thank you. The Burgundians basically said they wouldn't fight the English, but they also wouldn't fuck with Armagnacs while they defended France from Henry V. In August of 1415, the French and English forces met at Agincourt in northern France. Pretty much every Armagnac noble was there, and the French forces outnumbered the English about two to one. But what should have been an GG easy peasy for the French turned into a massacre. Well, while the French were still getting ready, you know, they're putting on their makeup, putting their faces on, putting on their little berets, eating their baguettes. (laughs) The English dug in and put sharpened stakes at the front of their line. They were convinced that the French were vampires. 
and they were going to fucking kill him. It's not true. No? That is not true. Okay. Well, I must have read a different book. <laughs> Mine was the way... The Sharpened Sticks? True. Uh-huh. Vampires? Not true. Oh. So... That's only me, covered in glitter. On a scale of one to ten, how erotic was the book you read? Um, if I'm being honest, mm -hmm. whereas, what is five? Five was like, oh, you know, like one of those Harlequin romance novels with the Fabio on the cover painted, and you're like, oh. That's a five? That's a five. What the fuck would a ten be? Ten is basically some fat guy wrote slash fiction in his basement and posted on the internet, and it's nothing but horrible sex acts. All right, seven. Okay. <laughs> Joan of Arc, pretty sexy. Yeah, she is. Yeah, you know, she's got the men's clothes, mm -hmm. chili bowl haircut. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's my type of lady. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I still think maybe I read a different book because mine was nothing but hardcore vampire sex. I think you did. Okay, well, this is gonna be difficult going forward. Anyway, because I got a boner. No, it's <laughs> You just can't help yourself. No. <laughs> you return to your proclivities like a dog returns right. to vomit. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to. Those conversion camps don't work. I want my money back. Uh. <laughs> Why waste your time? You know? <laughs> All right. This show is stupid. Why do we still do this? No one likes this shit. I do. <laughs> well, once the English were dug in, they unleashed hell with their longbows and devastated the French forces. And now I need to put a disclaimer here because most of the bowmen were actually Welsh peasants, not Englishmen. And there's a lot of pedantry that goes on on the Internet when you look up this battle um, because people just say English. We're doing that. For brevity's sake, and I've already fucked that up by explaining this for the last minute and a half, but at the same time, I don't want the angry emails where, well, actually, they're all Welsh. <laughs> I'm smarter than you guys. <laughs> Please love me. And yet, all you had to say was Welsh instead of that four-sentence monstrosity. Yeah. But, oh, you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you want to stick it to him. I, no, I just want to be brief. We see you I out there, wanna... you son of a bitch. I just want to do things for the sake of brevity. For the sake of brevity. <laughs> well, let's ex uh, expound upon this for the next 30 minutes, <laughs> and then get back to the story. All right, well, first we need a lesson in the Welsh language, because it's not English. It's a completely different language. So we're going to dive into that for the first hour, and then maybe go from there into the history of the Welsh people. Um, Talk about the sheep fucking? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a, that's a whole sick parter on its own. Can we just skip to that part? <laughs> I already am. Ooh. <laughs> the French knights charged the Englishmen, but they were pelted with thousands of arrows, and the ones that did make it to that line were weighed down by 60 pounds of metal armor and struggled to move through the muddy battlefield. In just a few hours, the French were defeated. They lost over 6,000 men and pretty much all of the Armagnac nobles. Now, it's important to know going forward, uh, especially when we start talking about Joan, that everyone in the story was deeply religious and literally everything was a sign from God. 
Henry V took this victory as a sign that God really did want him to be king of France. The French took it as a sign that God was punishing them for their sins. The Burgundians blamed the Armagnacs for losing the fight, while the Armagnacs were like, You aren't even here! How the fuck is this our fault? France was thrown into a civil war. The Count of Armagnac kicked Queen Isabella out of power and anointed her son, Charles VII, as the heir apparent, or Dauphine. Isabella ran to John of Burgundy and made him the advisor to King Charles VI. The Burgundians then stormed Paris and killed the Count of Armagnac, but Charles VII had escaped to Bourges. And in 1416, to solidify his power, Charles VII invited John of Burgundy to his palace to talk peace and promptly had him assassinated. Boom! Headshot! Yeah, got that motherfucker. Yeah, it's real fucking funny. Like, he invites him over, hey, let's talk peace, and like, all of a sudden... Like, they realize it's a trap, and he tries to escape, and they bash his fucking face in and <laughs> chop off his hands. <laughs> so funny. They got him. A perfect crime. They got him. Well, none of that shit that happened there where everybody's fighting for the throne really mattered. I just wasted all your time telling you that story. Because in 1420, batshit insane Charles VI signed a treaty with King Henry that made Henry the heir to Charles' throne, and Henry could marry Charlie's daughter Catherine, and their son would be the unquestioned ruler of a unified kingdom. Unified. God damn it. And their son would be the... Queer. (laughs) Maybe. Queer eye for an even queerer guy. (laughs) Why does he need it? Mm. (laughs) No, no, that's too gay. Reel it back. (laughs) Reel it back. No, queer eye for an even queer guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you never know. He might be uh, overcompensating because he really loves his wife. Oh, yeah. He's just trying to, like, get back at her. <laughs> so he might be just going overboard with gay. <laughs> You're not really gay, are you? No, no, look at this. I'm wearing assless chaps to church. <laughs> Every time they sing a hymn, I just get up and go, Wow, I waste my time. You know, you're going... <laughs> What the? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he definitely needs the voice of reason. <laughs> yeah. Like, nope. Come back just a little further. My own back. Oh, I don't mind if I back that ass. <laughs> nope. Nope. It's too far. It's too far. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm living a lie. Child support's just really taking its toll. <laughs> no woman will touch me now. And I just thought, maybe if I just swung to the other side, you know, someone give me a hug, at least. I'm so fucking lonely. <laughs> Every episode of Queer Eye, Queer Eye for the Queer Guy is just a straight guy hanging himself because he's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> Caught on camera, of course. Yeah. Just Bud Dwyer, just and the blood pouring out of his nose. <laughs> Jesus. Flash to credits. It's, wow, I waste my time. You know? <laughs> it does the 80s thing where it freeze frames. God. The blood just gushing. Just, <laughs> and then just plays the whole song while the credits roll. <laughs> Executive producer oh. Dick Wolf. <laughs> I think we have the makings of a hit on our hands here. Fuck this podcast. <laughs> yeah, so Henry could also marry 
Charles VI's daughter Catherine, and their son would be the unquestioned ruler of a unified kingdom. Henry pretty much immediately knocked up the sweet, clean French Princess Catherine. Hmm. And they had a son, Henry VI. That worked out great because in 1422, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. No, wait, that was the last episode, sorry. Not, Not right at all. That worked out great because in 1422, both King Henry V and King Charles VI died and went to King Heaven, making an itty-bitty baby the one true king of France. The Burgundians allied with... Allied? God fuck Allied! <sighs> if I shoot myself here, we'll go straight into my brain? Or <laughs> It should. Okay. Just get this. Just get this. Just waiting for my turn on... Queer eye for the queer guy. (laughs) (laughs) We've heard your podcast. That can't be real. No, I just want attention. I just want somebody to notice me. The Burgundians allied with the English, leaving Charles VII and the Armagnacs wondering what kind of idiots would make a baby king. Make a pretty funny movie, though. Right? I mean, it's in the Bible, dude. Oh, you're right. Why did Joan fight this? She was so religious. I don't understand. Huh. Maybe that's why they did what they did to her. Like, oh, you don't support baby kings, huh? We know what kind of woman you are. Democrat. Time to die. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Charles VII attempted to fight the English over the following several years, but it didn't go super great. They gained an ally in the Scots, who actually won a few battles before doing what they do best, getting defeated by the English army. Mm, There it is. There it is. I mean, their greatest hero got captured by the English and had his dick cut off and shoved in his mouth. So Before he was quartered. Yeah, yeah, before, yeah. And his head cut off. Yeah, put on a pike, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That's my boy. (laughs) It was 1429, and Charles VII was sick and tired of losing a war to a seven-year-old kid. He's obviously never played fucking Halo online. (laughs) I know, right? Gets used to that shit real quick. Henry VI just sending messengers over, messenger pigeons in the land. He's like, I fucked your mother. Like, even the message is in the high pitch. It has the notes around it. He's calling them racist names and shit. Like, <laughs> he's dropping the end bomb. Like, I don't even know what this word means. It's the 1400s. <laughs> well, his advisors and nobles weren't doing jack shit to help him. He needed a hero. He was holding out for a hero till the end of the night. They had to be strong. They had to be fast, and they had to be fresh from the fight. Notice how I changed the lyrics of that 1980s Bonnie Tyler hit, Holding Out for a Hero, that you guys probably only know from the movie Shrek 2. That's because Charles's hero was a 17-year-old girl. And that's the first time we've mentioned the protagonists of this fucking story. <laughs> you had Halfway to- done, yeah. and we finally get to the point. You have to know the background, otherwise what Joan does doesn't really make sense, so... I agree. Yeah, with the first thing I said about talking about guys and not the... I'm being the uh, the listener here. Yeah. Oh. I'm acknowledging that this is the first time we are mentioning our protagonist, Joan of Arc. Allow me to be the listener as well. Yeah, why is this the first time they mentioned Joan? Yeah. 
And then you have to ask yourself why you listen to us. Mm-hmm. Search deep into your soul. Yep. And why you won't tell your wife you listen to this. And why you just play it in the car on your radio, but you still have the iPod playing one earbud in your ear, and it's just, why waste your time? You know, you're going to be my... <laughs> you think your one-year-old kid is too young to understand, but you're just fooling yourself. Mm-hmm. They're two and a half now. <laughs> you still got that earbud in your ear. You still listen to this show. One day, mommy's going to find out. Yep. Mommy's going to find out that you... Keep reinstalling and deleting the Grinder app, trying to work up the courage to reply to one of the messages you got. <laughs> and that's why we're the history podcast for you. Yes. <laughs> Very specific audience. Oh, I feel terrible about myself now. Now that I've realized these deep <laughs> truths about this fucking show. Do you want to take a break and maybe have a few drinks and try and forget all this ever happened? All right, but let's hurry back because why waste your time? All right, welcome back to the show, you degenerate fucks. Can't believe you keep coming back for more. They want it. They do. Look at that guy. Assless chaps, cowboy hat, rhinestone shirt. Oh, yeah. Oh, I want it, too. I want it, too. <laughs> I feel like we leave the ladies out too much of this show. Ladies, don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm all about you, too. I'm... You know, no, they they just need to win me back. That's all. <laughs> they just need to work harder. Come on. You know what? You can only come home so many times and see your wife in a sweatsuit, you know, hair pulled back, no makeup, and you go, that's it. That's it. I'm reinstalling grinder. You have not sweatsuit? Yeah. You know, sweatpants, sweatshirt. It's a sweatsuit. I don't think that's a sweatsuit, but <laughs> point received. I really did think going into this week's episode, I'm like, okay, I've been going to the gay well too many times. I'm starting to worry about myself. I thought, this week, this week I'm not going back there. I'm going to keep these jokes just on the straight and narrow. Just keep uh, focusing on the, you know, the, the actual goal of this podcast to talk about history. And then all it took was you playing that song, and I was right back in. I was twirling my shirt over my head, just... Having a good time. <laughs> I can't think of anything more straight than going to the gay well. <laughs> like, for instance, when that stripper came over. Mm -hmm. Think about it, dude. Two guys, dimly lit room, mm -hmm. oiled, mm -hmm. muscular. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of testosterone. It is. That's as manly as it gets. That's true. It's like the, the beach jogging scene from Rocky Three. Or in their short shorts. They jump up and down and hug in the water. And they're all muscly and, you know, moist. Yeah, from, dude. Yeah. It's as straight as it gets. Yeah. How much more manly can you get than that? Uh, that's true. That's true. I rest my case. And my cheek on another man's lips. 
<laughs> give a kiss before you go. Come on, Tony, give me a kiss. They do it in France all the time. It's okay. And he kisses me on the cheek, but I turn in with my lips real quick. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, oh. I didn't mean for that to happen, but uh, was it just sparks on my end? Or <laughs> Would you like to take this to another type of jazz bar? <laughs> oh, I really hope my wife never listens to this show. She will immediately pack her bags. That'll be the end of me. <laughs> anyway, fuck it. Um, uh, since our uh, producer's dead, do we have a way to do this? This bit that everyone seems to love and appreciate so Which much. Which one, Christopher? Well, you know, it's it's time for us to crack open our second half seltzers. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Oh, you did it. That was impressive. All right, let's pop these tops in three, two, one, pop. <sighs> oh, yeah, that's the spot. That is uh, that is definitely a seltzer. Yep, it's pretty good, pretty good. I have a pineapple and a peach one. I think it'll go really well with this Isla Scotch. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> I have a agave and lime. I'm almost tempted to 6. try it. 6.9% these bad boys are. Oh, okay. look at you. 69. Hey, hey, all right. All right. Anyway, now we have our seltzers. We've had our break. I think it's time we actually talk about Joan of Arc. What do you say, Gregory? Mm, I can't fucking wait. Let's do it. In early 1429, word began to spread throughout the Armagnac cities about a young girl named Joan who had been told by God that she was to help Charles VII become the anointed king of France. Chuck Seven's mother-in-law heard about this and decided to bring Joan to meet the Dauphine. Charles said, This bitch is probably how you say uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and decided to test Joan. He disguised himself as a servant and stood in the crowd, but Joan walked past the imposter king and knelt before the real Charlie. He even tried to convince her that she was wrong, but she was not fooled. Didn't help that he was all over, like, the posters and the money, you know. She'd met him, like, three times before, but he just didn't remember. He smelled like patchouli. Everybody else smelled like rancid buttholes. <laughs> yeah, he's the only one that's bathed in six months. Not pock-filled <laughs> on his face. He's actually eating food instead <laughs> of, you know. Curled blonde hair. <laughs> just pristine in nature. Yeah. He's, like, actively writing out a decree, you know, of what he plans to do as king. <laughs> when nobody knows how to read or write. Yeah. Like, oh. oh, how'd she spot me? Oh, no, no, it's not me. It's that stinky guy. Over there. Must be sent from God. <laughs> it's that guy over there, and it's just like this dude uh, dying of leprosy. And like, like the crown over his stone <laughs> his head, like his skin is melting off and the crown's uh-huh. He opens up his jacket and there's another tiny guy attached to him. He's like, Quaid, start the reactor. Like, no, no, wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's obviously not the king. <laughs> uh, well, the thing that shocked Charles and charged the most wasn't that Joan claimed to hear the voice of God, but the fact she wore a tunic and pants, not a dress. Like Chris said earlier, everyone was super-duper religious, and so someone talking directly to the big man upstairs wasn't exactly a shocker. But what if she had been talking to the devil, for instance? 
Women wearing pants directly contradicted the Bible, and so Joan was already a heretic. So a very confused Charles II, so a very confused Charles VII, sent for a priest to investigate Joan's holiness. How many holes are there, priest? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Make sure she has a hole. That's number one. Make sure there's there's enough. Oh, so she is holy. <laughs> no, god damn it. Now, and one of the reasons she did wear pants was she traveled amongst men, and uh, you know, it's, it's 1429. She's worried about getting sexually assaulted. Not, that's right. not you know, not a joke. She seriously wore sewed up no. pants. Not at all. Because those French guys were like, eh, dress, easy access. I'm Italian now. It's a me, a Frenchie. You and can't say easy accent. Not no. You can't say not a joke. <laughs> and then do a joke, comma joke. <laughs> can't okay, do it. Okay, fine. Well, the first thing they did was check to make sure she was a maid, as she claimed to be. And in 1429, maid didn't mean a French girl who throws on a skimpy outfit, tickles your naughty bits with her feather duster. It meant she was a virgin. Yeah, and she actually went by. Joan Purell, which meant pure, which meant maid, and, you know, virgin. Purell. Yeah, makes me look at that hand sanitizer completely yeah. different. My name is Joan Hand Sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you were Joan Toilet Paper a few months ago, <laughs> skyrocket. I'd kidnap the fuck out of you. <laughs> I'd like to make you holier. <laughs> That's over the line. <laughs> I'm sorry. Only my stuff's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, Joan, uh, that meant she was examined by two women who did indeed verify that she had never done the deed, <laughs> so to speak. First part was just questioning. It was like, unless it, uh, unless it was the butt deed. Oh know? yeah, then you can't tell. Damn it! There's no butt hymen. <sighs> That's true. Thank you for joining us for that segment, Doctor Pepper. Um, no. There is no butt hymen, Greg. But the first part was just questioning. It's like, hey, you ever seen a penis? She's like, uh, yeah, totally. Totally had sex. Totally, totally had sex. Oh, yeah, what's it look like? She's like, well, this thing kind of looks like a, a snake. And then it raises up and it, it goes, ksk, 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 and then it bites you on the neck. And then you've had sex. And they're like, okay, obviously a fucking virgin. Never, never seen. And they spread the rumor throughout high school. And she was ruined by it. Mm-hmm. Well, once the examination was done, they observed her for three weeks and found her to be highly devout, and they found no evil in her. But they still weren't convinced because the devil is tricky and shit, you know? But she told them that God had sent her to lead Charles VII to Reim, where he could be crowned as king. The only problem with that was the city of Orléans. Orleans. Chris. It's Orleans. Stupid. Orléans. Was in the way. And the English had it surrounded. I've been to Mardi Gras. I've shown my boobies. Gotten some beads. I mean, I put on a wig, like one of those. You didn't cool have to use your mouth for beads? No, no. I got gypped. <laughs> nope. I, I just went out there in my hover round, took off my I'm with stupid shirt, and put on a fancy wig. And they're like, look at those boobs. Oh my God, they're huge. Got so many beads. <laughs> Also got COVID nineteen and I've been hospitalized for the last fourteen months, but <laughs> cool. Yeah. That's a fun joke. <laughs> fourteen months? <laughs> that makes sense. Stupid. <laughs> Joan said, Big fudging deal. I'll lead an army and we'll take Orlon. 
Easy peasy in the name of Jeezy. Us. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Uh. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, because she didn't curse. She would hate this show. Who doesn't? She would stand behind. Get in fucking line, Bia. Stand behind us, just slap us in the back of the head like some typical like TV show or movie Jewish mother or Italian mother like in a mob movie. Just slapping you. Come on, mom. I'm just, I'm just working for the mob. I just killed a bunch of people. Fuck, Pulling fuck, your fuck fucking me. ear. <laughs> we don't curse in this house. Like, fuck, fuck you. Fuck, fuck the fuck. Fuck, stop. Fuck, I didn't do it. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. God damn it. Yeah, she knows you're like murdering people, but you said the F word at the dinner table. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hell no. No. Heck no. H-E double hockey sticks, mister. Well, Charles VII saw this as a win-win. He wouldn't have to risk much to attack Orlon, and if Joan was victorious, it would prove she had been sent by God. Joan further amazed them when she told them to go to a church and look in a very specific spot for the sword of St. Catherine, the patron saint of young virgins. And they found it right where she said it would be. It's mysterious. How did she know? <laughs> Oh, still have the price tag on it and a receipt signed by Joan of Arc. <laughs> Joan marched off to take Orlon, which in all reality was sparsely defended by a hungry, tired English army. But when Joan sent them a letter demanding that they surrender the town in the name of God, they laughed at her and shouted insults at her for having a vagina. And so, the French attacked. Joan didn't carry a weapon, but instead carried the Armagnac banner. She and several military advisors led the French in small skirmishes around Orléans before taking on the main course, a lasagna. Oh, nice. Mmm. Who doesn't like a good lasagna? I mean, you just got to be careful not to fill up on breadsticks and salad first. You know, it's, it's unlimited. Oh, that's right, because lasagna only exists in your world at Olive in Garden. In Olive Garden, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a fancy <laughs> restaurant. It's where I take all my first dates. It's where I took my parents for their 60th anniversary. It's where I went for my 75th birthday. Oh, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> During the fighting, she was struck between the neck and shoulder by an arrow, but rose and urged her men on. Soon thereafter, the English fled from the towers surrounding the city. Orlon had been under siege for six months. Joan's command had led to its liberation in only four days. Women getting shit done, am I right, ladies? <laughs> I was thinking about this. Um... Because we've done a lot of stories about, you know, military leaders and dudes from history, and they always, they're in the fray, right? You know, they're, they got, like, William Wallace had his 12-foot sword, and uh, Alexander was always leading the charge. But I think it's a little bit more badass, actually. She just went in there with a fucking flag. Like, follow me, fellas, we're going to take this. And, you know, she's getting shot at and shit, and she's just, like, waving her flag frantically. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I think it's more badass. And then that got me thinking, what about drummer boys in, like, the revolution? Like, eight-year-olds out there playing the drums? And those kids are just fucking stupid. Like, no one cares. Yeah. The kid's hitting the double kick. Like, keep that fucking racket down! Jesus! We're trying to fight a war! Oh, God, I'm dead! <laughs> yeah. My life ended before it began. Yeah. No one was 
No one was like, oh, I'm so inspired this drum is playing. But I feel like a lot of people were inspired. Jones running through with a flag like, follow me, fellas. Here we go. We're going to capture this city. See, here we are. Oh, I did it. I'm a There's hero. There's so many people that were inspired by fucking music playing. Are there? Yes. Oh. Even that shitty ass drumming, that just snare drum. You're just like, oh. Yeah, that shit's badass, dude. All I can think of. It's called marching drum for a reason. All I can think of is that. Horrible Christmas Carol, little drummer boy. You're like, oh, this is a beating. I don't want to be. Well, they're not here. sitting there going. <laughs> Do they not all look exactly like the Nutcracker? Like, as they're marching, you know, their big furry hats and giant. I, I don't a, know what's wrong with you. I have a strange. That's Russian. I have a strange picture of the Revolutionary War in my head, and I, 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 I guess I just blame Mel Gibson. That's all I have to say because. The only thing well, I know, oh, okay. the Patriot. That makes sense. The only exposure I have to it. And I specifically remember him running in the battlefield going, Give me your nuts! <laughs> I don't know if that translates to audio as well as you think it does. <laughs> in the video, he looks like a goddamn nutcracker. Like, yeah. Yeah. As a leader, Joan was an inspirational figure, but also had a very short fuse and got super salty anytime someone did something that went against the Bible. For instance, she forced all the prostitutes and mistresses that followed the army to flee under threat of execution. She frequently chewed out French nobility and knights for skipping mass or for stealing food. And although she didn't speak English, she got hopping mad every time the English troops called her a whore. I do wonder if someone went, hey, you know, one of the books of the Bible says that if a woman dresses like a man, it's an abomination before God. She's like, shut up. That part doesn't apply. <laughs> I just don't want your whores here, okay? Get your whores out. I saw you eating shellfish last week, you bitch. <laughs> Following the win at Orlon, Joan and the Armagnacs moved on to the city of Jargeau, where they once again were victorious. Only the city of Troyes sat between Charles VII and Reims, and so on June 29th, he rode out with the rest of the army and met with Joan to capture the city. Word of the maid, as she was known, had spread throughout France, and Troyes surrendered without a fight. On July 17, 1429, Charles was anointed and became King Charles VII. And if I know anything about history, and I think I do, the way you become king is you reach the back row, and then they stack another person of identical size on your shoulders, and then you can move wherever you want. Diagonally or... You can't just move for it. You can't just put it on whatever piece you want. I, I just explained, I understand history, Greg. Okay? I think I know what I'm talking about. God. Oh, do you? You know history. Yep. <sighs> so, which one of us went to Harvard for history? Oh, I don't think either one of us went to Harvard for for history. So, you didn't go to Harvard for history. Is that correct? Uh, that, yeah. It, I mean, you did not go to Harvard well, for history. Well, you didn't go either. But, but you're saying that you're admitting you did not go to Harvard for history. Is that correct? That's cr yeah. Shut your dirty whore <laughs> mouth. Well, getting away from the person that uh, admittedly <laughs> did not study history at Harvard. <laughs> for Joan, only half of her job was done. Not only had she been told by God that Charles would be made king, but she would also drive the English out of France for good. 
After a couple minor skirmishes, Joan led a force to try and retake Paris from the English. On September 8th, she launched an attack on the city walls. She was struck in the thigh by an arrow and watched as the man beside her was killed, and that is when she heard the trumpet sound a retreat. <laughs> it's a trombone, but it's the best we got, people. <laughs> Actually, it's, the guy next to her, the first thing that happened to it was a, an arrow went through his foot and kind of stapled him to the ground, and then he lifted his metal visor. He's like, oh, fuck, I'm stuck to the ground. This is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And then immediately caught an arrow right between his eyes. <laughs> Most of that's true. I don't know if he actually said that. That's a, you know, quotes get messed up through through history. You get altered. You would know that because, um, you know, of the Harvard thing that I didn't go to. No big deal. Yeah. Well, Joan was super pissed because she believed God had wanted her to capture Paris. But in all reality... The battle wasn't going great, and King Charles was working on a peace treaty with the English. Joan was with the royal army as they captured a few smaller towns, and Charles ended up getting the peace treaty he was after. He also went ahead and made Joan and all of her descendants French nobility. She got super bored and wrote a bunch of angry letters to people she believed were shitty Catholics, but she wanted war. Luckily for her, the Burgundians again joined up with the English, and the peace treaty was broken. In May of 1430, Joan and the army moved to defend the city of Compiègne from a Burgundian attack. Those are made-up words. You just made up those words. Come on. I had to look up all this shit. It was so annoying. <laughs> Little did she know, a reserve Burgundian force had held back. As she and the army moved toward the city, they were ambushed and Joan was captured. King Charles didn't bother to offer to pay a ransom to have her returned. His advisors told him that if Joan had been captured, it was because she had defied God. That's a, such a catch-all for these guys. I, dude, fuck you. <laughs> she did all this shit to help you, and then it's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't need her. I'm way better off without her. I just need my bros around me. <laughs> let's just hang out, guys. Let's, you know, let's put on Spring some music. Spring break! Yeah. Let's pound these white claws and let's just get fucking crazy, man. <laughs> the jello shots aren't really set yet because we don't have refrigeration for another, <laughs> you know, like 400 years, but let's get fucked up. I'll just haul out these horse hooves and pour some vodka in and it's basically the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, on a more serious note, Joan was sold to the English as a hostage and transported to prison. She escaped once, but was captured, and another time she leapt from a 70-foot prison tower to a muddy marsh below, but she survived and was once again imprisoned. She was interrogated by priests and put on trial, where she revealed her father's name had been de Arc, and thus she was called Joan of Arc. Oh, it has nothing to do with Noah. Fuck. I thought they were related. Well, there go the notes. Yep. <clears throat> She refused to swear an oath to tell the truth about anything other than the Catholic faith. She claimed that she had been visited by God, St. Michael, St. Catherine, and St. Margaret, starting when she was just 13 years old. Basically, the answer to any question she was asked was, God wanted it to happen. Same reason I gave when I got caught shoplifting. All those tampons and bottles of vodka. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is God's plan. How, are you going to defy God's plan, security guard? Hmm? 
Look, I, I know what this looks like. These do not go together. <laughs> no, no. They don't. No, I bleed profusely from my anus, so I need the tampons. And also, it hurts a lot, so I get really drunk on vodka. No, I don't pour them. I don't mix them. That'd be fucking weird, right? I don't put vodka tampons in my butt. That'd be weird. <laughs> yeah. Security guard man. Yeah. What are you doing later? What's your deal? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. How long have you been doing this anyway? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, he must, uh, he must work out. Just reach out and grab his tricep a little. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like The Office? I like The Office. It's, it's hilarious. It's yeah. I'm actually uh, binge watching mm-hmm. The Office later. It's not the only thing I'm bidging. You do a little twist with the bottle of vodka. <laughs> then, ng, ng, ng. Sir, you haven't paid for that yet. Oh, I'll pay for it later, Daddy. I mean, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unless you liked it. No, no, no. <laughs> Bad thoughts. That's exactly Bad what I was going to say, by the way. Get out of my head. Unless I can pay for it later. <laughs> Work out some sort of payment uh, agreement here. (laughs) Well, eventually Joan was charged with heresy for being a false prophet and also charged for cross-dressing. The English priest told her that if she admitted to these charges, she would be a prisoner for the rest of her life, but she would not be executed. Joan refused, and she was led to a stake where she was to be burned. She promptly changed her mind and agreed to wear a dress and admit she was, after all, a heretic. And, man, when I got to this part of the story, oh, thank God. Right? You know, we don't have to... She came to her senses. So smart. Talk about someone burning alive. Yeah. You know, thank the heavens. Yep. All right. Well, uh, that was the end of that story. Uh, Greg, why don't you take us... Oh, wait, wait. There's. I'm looking at the outline. There's a little bit more... That you still have to go. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're right. Yeah, sorry. Hold on. Yeah, I forgot about it too. Yeah. About three days later, however, the guards found her wearing pants again. Hmm. This, she claimed, was because the guards had sexually assaulted her and taken her dress. Also, she really liked the pockets. They are convenient. Yeah. She had to go outside to use the bathroom so bad that she put on the only clothes available to her because being naked was a massive sin. When confronted about the clothes, Joan claimed she had falsely confessed and she was ready to face her actual punishment. On May 30th, 1431, Joan of Arc was tied to a stake and burned alive. Oh, no. No. This isn't funny, Chris. No. I feel really bad about drinking this smoky Isla. Is. You know, put over smoke. You just had to tie your drink in. I had to find a way to do it. (laughs) This was convenient enough. Well, okay. My co-host aside, her last words were, Jesus! 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 Now do you see why it's not a laughing matter, Chris? I do. I'm sorry. I apologize. Her remains were burned again by the English twice over and dumped in the Sin River. King Charles VII would eventually lead the French to victory against the English 22 years later in 1453. In 1455, the Pope ordered a second trial of Joan and found that she had been falsely convicted. In 1920, nearly 500 years after she had been burned alive, Pope Benedict XV made Joan a Catholic saint. I had to think of my Roman numerals there. (laughs) Benedict 
Wait, X- which Rocky movie was that? X and V. <laughs> Wait, I know Final Fantasy ten, <laughs> Rocky five. All right, let's go. <laughs> it just goes to show that when you try really hard to do the right thing, you just get tied to a wooden pole and set on fire. End of story. Woo! Thank you, Greg. Well done. All right, it is time once again for Fast Facts. Fast Fact number one. Not once during her time in the French army did Joan of Arc wield a sword or physically harm another person. She led by motivating the troops and by giving tactical suggestions to the leaders of the army. Fast Fact number two. Modern-day psychologists believe that Joan might have been schizophrenic or might have suffered from epilepsy, migraines, or bipolar disorder. All because she was a lady wearing pants. Oh, and, uh, the talking to God and angels and stuff, too, I guess. But mostly the pantsuits. Fast fact! Number three. Following her execution, Joan's brothers, Pierre and Jean, paraded an invitation Joan around France to get money and gifts. Eventually, they came clean and were instrumental in convincing the Pope to give Joan a second posthumous trial. Fast fact number four. One of Joan's military advisors and battle buddies was Gilles Duray. Turns out he was also a serial child killer in between 1432 In 1440, just eight years when he was hanged, he killed and disemboweled over a hundred kids. Most estimates up to 200. Wolf Dick, give me the party favor, Noah. Oh, he's dead. Fuck. Shit. Never mind. And this was after he fondled them, (laughs) jacked off on them. (laughs) I don't want to know these things. This isn't a true crime podcast. If anybody wants to go look up this dude, it's really, really fucked up. It's awful. It's god awful. It was the most interesting part of this entire story to me was this dude like, wait, what? (laughs) This this fucking footnote over here? (laughs) What? Now you know how our listener feels. We're like, fast fact, uh, killed 100 kids, jerked off on their bodies. We'll see you next week, guys. Okay, love you. Exactly. (laughs) So if you do want to look him up, uh, Jill DeRay, G-I-L-L-E-S-D-E-R-A-I-S. Fucking good luck. Yeah. It's disgusting. And it's happy times again. (laughs) And the the, the thing, the sound effect made all the sadness go away. Yay. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you learned a lot about Jean of Arc, as she was called in France. Check us out, 100proofhistory.com, at 100proofhistory on social media. Greg, what else? No, Chris, I'm just uh, headed to the old jazz bar, oh. so... All right, well, have fun, buddy. Yeah, man. Mm. Mm. What about you? Oh, that's some upbeat music. Almost makes me forget that I have to go plan a funeral for a invalid producer. Mm. Guess I'll handle that by myself. That's fine. Now you made it sad. Yeah, I'm sorry. I did read something from the book that I would like to be a uh, parting message as the outro music goes. Okay. It's not a direct quote, but a message. Did Jones King win the war because she came from God? 
or did she come from God because he won the war? If things hadn't worked out the way they did, would we know anything about her? That's true. Yeah, if he hadn't won, he's kind of like a footnote. It's crazy peasant he listened to. Yeah. You sound like a fucking <laughs> deep South conservative. And I don't even care about that Abu Ghraib shit. <laughs> it's got gay in the title. What they did was fine. They're beheading people over there. Can't stack them in a human pyramid of nakedness. Who gives a shit? I do that every weekend at my house. That's why I do whatever the Russians tell me. They have pictures of it. God damn it. Thanks, Obama, <laughs> who is currently a senator in Chicago. Ugh. If he wasn't such a Kenyan, he would have stopped 9-11, I'm just saying. Back when he was a community organizer in Chicago? Yeah. Piece of shit. He was in on it. Inside job. <laughs> Sounds better. Oh, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chris. Nobody's ever died. Yep, everybody I love is still alive, Craig. <clears throat> Cause I only love myself. <laughs> <laughs>